You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.mbcocala.com. Well, we're going to continue on in training. Are you in training? All right, I'm going to do a little bit of review because we because we have to. How many of you know that probably before a lot of football games, the coach would gather the team and say, the goal is to win. To score, to do this, to stop the enemy or the, the opponent and so forth. And so with everything, we kind of have to be reminded of these things. Um, repetition is an incredible teacher. And so I want to have repetition to join me, you know, a little bit so that we go away from here, not confused and not wondering what, what we learned. Um, if you're new here, I'm not a preacher. I'm, uh, I'm a teacher. Okay. Uh, on occasion, I do raise my voice and spit, but, <laughs> but turn red a little, but, um, we're just going to teach. We're going to learn because, and let me make this clear again. The whole goal of it all is application. You can't apply what you can't remember or retain. And you'll have a hard time remembering or retaining something that you don't understand. So what we have to do is take truth, bring it to a place of understanding. And then if you understand it, then you can retain it. And if you can retain it, then you can apply it. You can do it. And James says that the one who hears and does will be what? Blessed. He'll be blessed. Anybody here want to be blessed? That's the help of God. That's the favor of God that would be on you. And let me go ahead and tell you whether whether or not you responded on that. You need to be blessed. You need the blessing of God on your life. We'll have the mercy of God on our life, but we really need the blessing of God on our life too. We do have a part to play. I said we do have a part to play. So where we all started in this series a couple years ago. Now this is week 11 on this, uh, which is unusual for us. Uh, is the whole idea of trying versus training. Which one's going to produce the greater results for us? Training, training. And if you'll recall, and just again by way of review, um, there's some things that I don't want people trying on me if they haven't trained. Y'all? You know, a pilot, a surgeon, somebody cutting your hair. Somebody cooking your food. You know, I'd rather have somebody that's trained than somebody that's just sweet as can be and trying really hard. Okay. And so training makes a difference. Paul told Timothy, he said, you need to train yourself in godliness, train yourself in godliness. So that has brought us about to the study. And we're really expanding on this of spiritual disciplines. That's our training. When you're in training, there's some things you do. And there's some things you don't do. You know, if you were training for a marathon, I can't eat that right now. I can't stay up that late. I can't go there with y'all. But I must do this and I must do this. I must eat this way and I must do this and so forth. Why? Because I'm in training. I'm in training. So in spiritual disciplines, you have disciplines of engagement, things that you do. And you have disciplines of abstinence, things that you abstain that you don't do. And we're kind of going through some of the, the more important ones. We'll come back and list those in a moment. The result of being in training is, and let's go ahead. Somebody help me. Okay, please don't get tired of that, okay? How many of you, seriously, when this is 
full reality in your life and it'll never be complete, okay? It's going to continue to be process and levels and, and growing in this. But how many of you are going to get tired of being happy and stable and fruitful? Then don't get tired of saying it while it's still our goal, okay? So why are we training? We're training so that this gets produced in our life. And how many of you know that most people you know could afford to be a little more happy, a little way more stable, more fruitful, more blessed? Is this the whole goal? No, this is part of the process that leads us to what? That we would be a blessing. Hear that. That we would be a blessing. This is not about, I just want to be happy. Good. Good for you. But don't get stuck on the journey. Don't get stuck. That's not the goal. It's a byproduct that will enable you to be a blessing. And I just feel prompted to to review and hammer this just a little more. You're not going to be a blessing if you're not happy. I'm so tired of people representing Christianity that are unhappy Christians. And their job is to tell everybody what we're against. People already know what God's against. Let's find out what he's for. But you know what? You won't be a blessing if you don't have some believable measure of happiness. You won't be a blessing if you're not stable. I mean, if they see you one day and you're like, yes. And the next day you're like, yeah. And the next day you're like, you know. Don't quote me. Realize I'm doing a lot of sound effects tonight. Um, that won't be a blessing to people. They're not even going to believe you. They won't believe you. Fruitful. They're actually, you're bearing fruit. You're being productive. Something's coming together. And you can't do that without the help of God. And then blessing. The blessing of God. We talked about that. All of this byproduct, part of the journey. This is what God's doing. Fixing you up so that he can use you so that you could be a blessing. Is this the ultimate goal? No, the ultimate goal is what? To glorify God. That's the chief end of man. That's the whole deal. And if and we'll make that our focus, I want to glorify God in this situation. I want to glorify God in this relationship. I want to glorify God on this day, whatever it would be. Well, guess what? To make that happen, that's real sweet of you that you want that to happen. But it's by being in training, applying these spiritual disciplines that all of this takes place. You with me so far? I think if I gave a quiz tonight, y'all would get an A. All right. Except for some of y'all. Okay. No, I think you will. Now, let's go over real quick the um, disciplines we've looked at so far. And then I want to dive into a very, very important one. I know I say that about every one. It's very, very important. Guess what? They're all very, very important. First of all, we looked at study. And then we not only talked about it on the weekend, but then I just devoted three Wednesday nights to how to study the Bible. And uh, we just finished all that. We're going to try to bundle that for you in some way, but you can watch it online. You can get it on podcast. We now, uh, active as of, I think Friday, if you have our iPod, iPad, or droid app now get video Video is now on there. So that's cool too. And that's all free. And so wherever you are, you know, the bathtub, the doctor's office, where, wherever you are, you can, you can listen and watch. Um, it's a little freaky for me to think of you watching 
in the bathtub, but um, <laughs> just listen in the in the tub. But um, we have it archived. We've got study notes. There's CDs. Go back and go over this. But we're going to try to bundle just in, in a thing together some way so that you can have the benefit of how to study the Bible. Uh, we also talked about prayer. And I won't go through all of that, but prayer is, is, is vital in our lives. And then last week, does anybody remember what we talked about? Two that work together. Solitude and what? And fellowship, solitude and fellowship. Now I have to make good on something for you guys. I told you uh, last week as far as fellowship, the two main things about fellowship, you know, that you're connecting, you're adding value is this, that you have people in your life and you're this kind of person that you can exhort, they can exhort you, but also to encourage you. Exhort meant to cheer you on something good towards something and help you stay on track, Right. And it helps steer you away from stuff. You got to have some friends that'll look in the eye and go, that is dumb. You know, you've got to have friends like that. And then to encourage meant to cheer up and also to cheer on. And then Saturday night, like late Saturday night, I was going over notes before I went to bed and I had another one kind of rise up in my heart and I shared it on Sunday morning and y'all didn't get it. And it's this in fellowship. And I told him I'd come back and tell you, so I'm making good on it. You also need to have people in your life, not only can exhort you and encourage you, but also that you enjoy. Because there's nothing worse than somebody telling you, that's stupid, and then cheer up, and you can't stand being with them. Okay? So chemistry actually plays into that as well. All right. Tonight, I want to talk to you about service and serving as a spiritual discipline. Super vital, super important. You're going to see this as we go along. Now, I came out earlier and for the sake of time, went ahead and, and put this up for you. Serving as a spiritual discipline springs from three things, okay? And I've got them up here. First of all, God's love. Everybody say God's love. Secondly, Jesus' example. Say that. Jesus' example. And thirdly, Scripture's command. Say that. And so, why should we serve? How are we going to serve? Where does this come from? It will spring from God's love. And we'll look at this in a moment. Jesus example and scriptures command. Now out of God's love, everybody say God's love. Why God's love? Because our love is too shallow, too skinny, too weak, too limited. When you try to serve people out of your own love, you're going to get impatient real quick. You're going to get tired of it. And, and especially if you have to do it over any kind of length of time or repeatedly or whatever, or they don't respond quite right to you. If you do it out of your love, at some point you're going to throw something down and go, that's it. But when you serve out of God's love, it's something that you know that you should do. When, if you allow God's love to flow through you, it's an entirely different story. Secondly, by following Jesus' example. And I don't need to tell you what all Jesus did, how he fed folks. He washed people's feet. He talked to people that religion said he shouldn't talk to. He noticed people. He made time for people. He healed people. He died for some people. In Matthew twenty twenty eight, it says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In John 13, verse 14 and 15. He said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Now listen, Jesus was not 
instituting some kind of sacrament or doctrine at that point. He was given an example of a a way to humble yourself and serve somebody. Okay. So there are some denomination stuff that do uh, foot washing. I've actually been on some retreats and different things where you do foot washing. How many of you know what that is? You say, I do that every, no, it's where you wash somebody else's feet. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it's not prescribed by scripture that you got to do that. And you go, well, when are we going to do that? Um, Probably never. Um, You know, maybe some special retreat or whatever, but you know, if the Lord told us to do it, we, we sure would, would, would do it. But you need to understand the point here. He said, if, if I've humbled myself and served you in this way, and I'm your Lord and your teacher, Jesus said, he said, you ought to follow the example that I've given. And, and Philippians tells us this in Philippians two, seven, it says that he took on the form of a servant. Everybody say servant. I need all y'all to smile just a little bit right in the room. Okay. Um, he took on the form of a servant. I was thinking on this, kind of pondering on this. You know, he came as a servant. And I believe that, you know, it could have come as a lot of different things, but he came as a servant. Get this. He also is our savior. But I really don't believe he could have fully done redemption if he had not come and been our savior, had he not come and been a servant. Because what he did to ultimately be our savior was to serve in so many ways of what he did. So it's very important. We need to also follow, just as Jesus said, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. And that is to be a servant. And then finally, from, from scripture's command, scripture commands us. Now, we don't like that word command. Okay. And let me remind you about Bible commands. They show us what gives us life and they show us what, what? What takes life away. So it's not just these rules and regulations. It's showing us the commands of scripture. Show us do this and live. So if you do what it says to do, it gives you life. If you uh, violate what it tells you don't do, that's going to take life away. And those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a while, you know this. You violate scripture and you can feel something drain away. You can, you can feel it. A little bit of peace, a little bit of joy is gone. Some confidence is gone. Some things are gone. I mean, you know, if you just blow your stack beyond the emotional, whatever with that. How many of you know that spiritually you, I just lost something. I just lost something. So that's why scripture gives us commands. And that's why we're in training so that we can have more life come into us, which will make us happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. Amen. All right. We are to serve. And I I want to work on our, our thinking, our paradigm on this just a little bit. We are to serve, but not out of guilt, not out of duty and not out of obligation. Instead, scripture tells us we are to serve. Get this. We're to serve out of gladness, service with a smile and with love. Psalm 100 verse 2. It says this, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. I have been to churches before that serve the Lord with madness and come before his presence with sighing. And the scripture says we should serve the Lord with gladness, with gladness. Y'all listen to me, gladness. 
You know, on our staff and volunteers, we train them. We try to choose the right people for the job. And, and you want people that are going to represent Jesus and represent the church well. You know, I don't want parkers or greeters or ushers or, or people in the cafe or working with your kids or whatever that are grumpy. Y'all hear me? Uh, that's just a contradiction of terms. And I understand we all have a down day here, here or there, and we, we get out of sorts sometimes. Scriptures make allowances for one another. But here's the big thing. Get over it. Amen. Get over it quickly. Amen. We're either up or we're getting up, right? Amen. And so, you know, you've you got to keep all that going. But we are to serve the Lord with gladness. With gladness. As a kid, and especially as a teenager, teenager, when I started to take on some chores, guess what? My parents made me serve with gladness if my big old stepdad said i want you to go rake the yard he'd say excuse me i was just stretching my neck so i could put my all into this and if you're ever i rake your yard you know that never worked well okay and so listen you go to Disney World, you expect people to be nice to you. You go to get ice cream or a hamburger or something, you expect people to be nice to you. And so as we're serving the Lord, and let me go ahead and tell you this, and we'll fill it out in some other ways in a moment. One of the ways to serve the Lord is to serve one another, people. And how we serve people shows how we're serving the Lord. So if we're all snippy and grumpy and, you know... You know, what if an usher said, how many? <laughs> yeah. What, what, come this way. No, not there. Here. <laughs> I've told you I've gone in restaurants before and, you know, we invited some friends and then my family's big and everything. And, and they go, how many? And we go, nine. Nine? <laughs> oh, three? <laughs> no, no, they're there to serve. We're here to serve. And ever how we serve in church, wherever we would serve, through life, throughout the day, we're to serve the Lord with gladness. Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, say that's me, have been called to liberty, freedom. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through, help me, love, do what? Serve one another. Uh, Whose love? Actually, that word love there in the Greek is agape. It's an unconditional love. You don't have unconditional love. It's God's love. You have to tap into that love. And it's through that love that you'll serve one another. So kind of the the guide for us that, that, that empowers our serving is going to be gladness and also love. Now, usually when we teach on serving, we're trying to recruit people to serve in the church. And sure, we'll take that. It takes hundreds of people every weekend. Really, hundreds of people to do all that we've got to do. There are people all over the place right now serving you. And when you leave, there's going to be people that are serving so that tomorrow it'll be ready serving the people that will come tomorrow. And in between services and during services and, and just all over 
this 80 acres, there's people doing, there's doing stuff. And so, yes, we need help. But let me go ahead and say this. That's a given. Really, I don't think you should have to recruit believers, followers of Jesus to do something for his family. I, I, so I'm not even going to push on that. Time. I just think that's a given. That's just expected. And if I caught you flat-footed tonight, find a place to serve. Well, I want to sit in a service. That's absolutely fine, and I actually demand that. But we got Saturday. We're Saturday now. Hey, guess what, y'all? We got some services tomorrow. And we have some on Wednesday. And guess what? There's all kinds of things you can do during the week. We have all kinds of things going on. Hey, we need help with this and this and this. That, you know, is schedule-friendly to you as well. And we just want you to find a place and serve. I just think that's a given. But that's not what I'm really talking about. I just think that's natural. You, you should do that. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a part of a church family. I'm going to sit over here and let everybody else do something for me. Now, you would never say that out loud. But anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Ultimately, what we're talking about with the spiritual discipline of serving is this. That you would be a servant not just do service did you catch the difference that we would be a servant that this is this is far more than just compliance it's commitment it's commitment and it's spiritual disciplines are more about being something than doing something it's being a person of prayer, being a person of the word, being a person who's involved in solitude and fellowship, not just doing things. Cause then you reduce it to works. Okay. I'm going to pray now. <laughs> Pastor said, we're supposed to pray. Here we go. Ready? Close your eyes. <laughs> you know, it, it just won't work that way. Okay. And so it's being these things. Now, as we are engaged in serving, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about it as we go, I want you to see what it will do for you and in you, okay? When we serve, it's going to help keep self in check. And I could spend a lot of time on this. I'm only going to spend a couple of moments. When you are serving, it's a constant reminder that it's not about you. When you engage in serving, it will keep self in check and it will constantly remind you, hey, this is not just about me. You know, I'm always excited when people serve because you know what? Something happens in them. I'm, I'm excited for our missions team to come back from Honduras because you know what? Something will have happened in them. Why? Because they went and served. Because they served. Whenever you serve, Something happens in you and it helps keep yourself in check. Listen to this statement. Loss of self-control. How many of you know that's a big issue? Loss of self-control usually occurs around an act of selfishness. Now get all the self part here. Loss of self-control. Loss of self-control. What's another way to say that? Lose control of self is usually attached to some act or acts of selfishness. You with me? Yes. Here's, here's what happens with this. When you put self in the wrong place, you'll lose control of it. When you put self in the wrong place, you lose control of it. When you serve, you keep self in check. 
Get this? When you put self in the wrong place, you're going to lose control of it. I promise you, if you see people that are lacking self-control, let me read you this verse about self-control real real quick. Proverbs 25, verse 28 in the message. A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. It's a dangerous condition. Yet I see people of all generations that don't have self-control. And I promise you, you can track it to self is in the wrong place. Therefore, they lost control. Let me illustrate it. Alicia has a dog. I mean, we have a dog. This is a little Pomeranian. He's cute and he's sweet and all that. And like I said, he's all the dog he can be. But um, he has issues. Something happened at the puppy farm. But um, that dog, and I care for him. I'm good to him. And one of the Proverbs this week even said, godly are good to their pets. So I hold him up and I go, you better be thankful for the Proverbs. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm, te- I'm very, I'm very good to this dog, but it's just like, sometimes it's like, <sighs> I told her about a week or so ago, I said, don't ever buy a dog when I'm out of town again. Okay. All right. But self follow this now. You usually lose control of self when you put it in the wrong place. Well, that dog lives inside, a little Pomeranian, stays most of its time in the laundry room, which is pretty good size. But a couple times a day, especially first thing in the morning, we let it out into the backyard. And the backyard is fenced in. You with me? Yes. And you let it out and, and he'll go see that tree and that tree and has a little trail and in the morning there's dew in the grass and you know you can pretty much see his little trail and he runs around and he go, makes sure he goes to see that and check on this and you know he does all those things okay and then it comes back and he yelps that he's all done if you let him out the front yard if you put him where he doesn't belong the wrong place you'll lose control of him you put him in the front yard He immediately goes deaf. (laughs) He'll find the grossest things in our yard, the neighbor's yard. He'll find them and roll in them. (laughs) And if you chase him, he's deaf and he hates you and he runs. And then finally you get him back. And that's just like self. If you put it in the wrong place, you're going to lose control of it. And when you serve, hear me, when you serve, you keep self in check. Loss of self-control usually happens when you put self in the wrong place, when you're selfish. So how do we control this? By being selfless, you will regain and maintain self-control. And a lot of lives that I see that don't have self-control is because there's a lot of selfishness. And the more selfless you will be through serving, the better off you're going to be. And and you're going to be able to have more self-control in your life simply because of the grace that will come into your life because you're serving and keeping self in the right place. I can spend a lot of time on that. We'll just stop right there. You are in danger when you serve no one. There's some people because of their lot in life... uh, Maybe their fame, their fortune, their name, whatever it would be. They end up where 
everyone serves them and they serve no one. Saddest people on the planet. Saddest, poorest people on the planet. When you serve no one, and listen to me, maybe you don't have a name and fame and fortune and all those things, but listen to me, guaranteed sadness if you serve no one. You are in danger. You are in danger for the balance of your soul and the fruitfulness of your life if you don't serve. You need to make sure that you're serving the people around you. And I'm not even talking about church right now. That's a given. I expect that. That's, that's natural. That should be happening. You should be serving the people. Well, who should I serve? Well, who's close to you? Is there anybody in proximity? If you are being a servant, not just doing service, where are you going? I'm going to go do something at church. That's doing. It's being. Everybody say being. That we're being a servant. That we're being like our Savior. He said, listen, you're not greater than your teacher. You're not greater than your Lord and your master. He said, if I've been a servant, I want you to be a servant. You want to be like Jesus? Serve. Be a servant. The joy is in serving. You're also in danger if you lose the heart of a servant. If you lose the heart of a servant. I shared this story with Volunteer Connection back in the first of the year. And, and I need to hurry a little bit here. But um, there was a cafeteria that we used to go to um, years and years ago. And there's a lady on the serving line. My wife does not like to go through cafeteria. I Love it. And anyway, at this point, I'd, I'd won that day. And so we're there. But no, we actually used to, and the kids were small, and we would go through because it was a good way to, you know, get a good variety for the kids and everything. And there was a lady, and she had her little name tag on. You know, her name was like Madge or something. And it said, 28 years of service. Well, that's impressive. That's also dangerous because for 28 years, she put on her little plastic hairnet and stood behind steaming vegetables and, and hundreds of people coming through every day. And here's the way she was no expression on her face. And every person that came along serve you plop plop serve you plop plop y'all with me you know what she'd lost she had 28 years that's awesome she'd lost the heart of it where there are other people like you want the jello or the pecan pie i mean they they were they were there can i get both yes you can you know but she serve you was she serving kinda she was doing something but she was no longer being a servant. She'd lost the joy. You're in danger if you lose the heart of a servant. And also, you're in big danger if you serve for the wrong reasons. If you serve for yourself. If you serve so that you can be noticed. So that you can get some kind of attention or some kind of whatever. If you serve for the wrong reason, that's dangerous as well. Here's the heart of a servant. The heart of a servant is, where do you need me? How can I help? Get this the heart of a servant. The heart. Everybody say heart. The heart of the servant is where do you need me and how can I help? Now, I've been pastoring this church. Next week is 22 years. Next week will mark 22 years. 
I've been in full-time ministry for a long time, since last century. And I've noticed this, and this happens a lot. People will show up, and they don't have the heart of a servant. They don't say, where do you need me? How can I help? They'll go, you need to know how gifted, anointed, talented, and experienced I am. And I don't care. I don't even care. Because if somebody doesn't have the heart of a servant, they're not going to serve people. They're going to hurt people. They're going to mess something up. So what am I saying? Does that mean that we ignore gifts and talents and experience? Not at all. But the prerequisite for that is a heart. The heart of a servant. And I'm calling every one of us. It's something that I work on every week to maintain with holy reverence to God. That if this ever becomes anything other than serving him and serving you, I'm in danger. If what you do with your gifts, your talents, your abilities becomes anything else than serving people and serving God, you're in danger. So as a spiritual discipline, we guard our hearts. And if we'll serve in the right way, if we'll serve out of God's love, out of Jesus' example, you remember? And out of Scripture's command, if we'll serve out of that, when we serve, then it will keep self in check. And sometimes, do you know what that means? Sometimes it means doing something menial. Do you know what menial means? Menial means lowly and even degrading. Look at me. That is actually good for you. That is actually good for me. To do something lowly. To do something menial. To clean a bathroom. To see some trash and pick it up. To notice somebody... That seems invisible to other people. It's been called otherliness. That we'll actually go out of our way and find little ways, meaning menial and meaningful ways to serve people. Sometimes it looks like holding a door. Sometimes it looks like helping somebody. Sometimes it means finding that person that maybe everybody else walked by. And you know what? You can go serve them by saying, hey, how are you? I'm glad you're here. And maybe they won't look as fancy as you. Guess what? You're serving. Christians, little Christ, should be like him. And part of the reason that he hung out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors is because he was a servant. He was a servant. And if you'll follow Jesus through the Gospels, you're going to see, yeah, he's my Savior, and yeah, he's a king. He's a servant. He's a servant. You just look, and everywhere around, serving. He's in a big parade. He's in the annual Jesus parade. Everybody, and the blind man calls out to him, Jesus, son of David. And everybody else said, hush up. And he called out again and Jesus stopped the whole parade and went over and served him. He said, what do you need? I wish I could serve people like Jesus served. He said, what do you need? What do you want? He said that I could see. And he served him and healed him. 
You do what you can do with your gifts, your talents, with God's love, with Jesus' example, with the command of Scripture. And you just look, where do I start? Just right around you. I've been, I've been more alert to this. I've, I try to, as a spiritual discipline, do this. But my wife, my children, we had some guys doing some repair work at the house this week. And I'm paying them. But that's not serving them. But it's so stinking hot. How about some iced tea? How about this? How about that? And you just, you just start looking around you. And I promise you, Jesus will show up with you and go, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. There's nothing beneath you. Because there was nothing beneath him. And it's a spiritual discipline. It's a condition of our life. We don't just do service. We be, we are servants. Let me just read you a passage of scripture here. Let me give you a passage to read and then I'm going to read one for you. Romans 12 verse 9 through 21. If you can get it in the message Bible also, read that. Right now I just want to read to you Romans 15, 1 through 3 in the message. Those of us who are strong and able, everybody say in training. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what is most convenient for us. Get this next line. I love this next line. Strength is for service, not status. Read that with me. Strength is for service, not status. One more time. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. Asking ourselves, how can I help? Say that with me. How can I help? Verse 3, that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waited right in and helped out. When we love and serve people, we love and serve God. And how we serve people is how we serve God. Let's pay attention to God's love, Jesus' example, Scripture's command. And let's make this part of our life. Where do we start? Right around me. When do we start? Right now. You just look for ways. I promise you the Holy Spirit will quicken you and show you things all over the place. Now listen to me. You can't save the world. So don't get hyper about this. Be led. Be guided. Be careful. You're not to do everything. Children of God are led by the Spirit of God. But you're going to have a bubble of the obvious around you all the time. That, hey, I could get that. Can I get that? Can I help you with that? And just looking for things. Sometimes to serve people, pray for them from behind. You don't even know them and they cut you off in the grocery store line. How many of you know that? Well, eat your lunch. (laughs) And you're sitting there with your buggy. Why don't you just cool your jets and go, you know what? I'm, I'm a servant. By letting them go, I'm going to serve them. And I'll pray for them from behind. And you don't have to tap them on the shoulder. I'm praying for you. <laughs> just be that silent servant. Serve with a smile. It's going to be amazing what will happen to you. Self-control is going to rise like you would not believe. I think there's some weaknesses in our life that you'll overcome. 
just by keeping self in the right place. It's an incredible, incredible discipline with great, great fruit in our life. I'm going to stop right there, but did you get anything out of this tonight at all? All right, good deal.